Welcome to the Labor Radio Podcast Network's live 2020 election coverage, focusing on what organized labor is doing throughout the United States to ensure all votes are counted and labor's voice is heard. Reporting will be based on contributions from our national network of members. Views expressed do not represent official positions of the network. The Labor Radio Podcast Network has over 70 labor-focused shows in four countries and serves as a one-stop shop for audiences looking for labor content and as a resource for labor broadcasters, podcasters, and content producers. You can follow the conversation with the hashtag LaborRadioPod, where we are broadcasting working people's voices 24 hours a day. Welcome to hour three of our live election coverage from the Labor Radio Podcast Network. I'm going to do a quick go round of our various uh, co-hosts from our member shows. And then we have a a wonderful panel of of guests to take us into this final hour. So again, I'm just going by what is uh, circular on my screen, uh, which means that you're up, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy Waugh, host of the Break Time Breakdown podcast out of Louisville, Kentucky, and affiliated with uh, Sheet Metal Workers Local 110 of Smart International. It's uh, Sheet Metal Air Rail and Transportation Workers. I know you want you have a little something you want to say about Mitch McConnell. Go ahead. You got to keep. Man, that guy gets enough. Uh, <laughs> he gets enough airtime. Good, and bad. That uh, he's. He's got a knack for even taking the uh, the negative publicity and really using it to his advantage. I, I mean, the guy's – he's good. He's just good. Uh, I hate it. I hate that he's on the wrong team and he's as good as he is. But, I mean, you got to be really evil to be that good, and he is. Ditch, ditch Mitch, right? Yes. Play, Moscow Mitch got to go. All right. Patrick Dixon. Hi, this is Patrick Dixon here from the Labor History Today podcast, still in Arlington, Virginia. And uh, out, of, out of Dallas, Texas. Gene Lance uh, with the Workers Beat program, which plays on knon.org in Dallas, Texas. And uh, Gene brought us a wonderful live report uh, from Dallas uh, yesterday uh, with the upside down city hall. That was a, that was a very a wonderful report, Gene. Thanks for doing that yesterday. Uh, all right, David, you're up. Uh, David's story from the Valley Labor Report in uh, Huntsville, Alabama. And I would like to tell Gene a personal thank you because I have not seen the Dia de los Muertos since I was uh, working in Mexico many years ago. And that brought back some beautiful, beautiful memories. So thank you, brother. Well, that's one of the wonderful things about this network. We've got folks, you know, over 70 shows uh, around the country and even in uh, Canada, Latin America, and the UK. And we just, you just never know. I get, I get the uh, pleasure of listening to a lot of them for the weekly. And it's just amazing uh, the, uh, the stuff that you all turn up. It's, it's, uh, it's wonderful. All right. With that, uh, let me introduce our guests for this hour. Uh, continuing with us, we still have Yanira Merino from LACLA. Thanks for staying with us, Yanira. Uh, Carlos Fernandez, a longtime labor organizer out of Chicago. Uh, just joining us, a good friend of mine, lives not too far from me, but I haven't seen you in forever. <laughs> Literally, we live, I think, like three blocks from each other. Um, but uh, we're, we're staying socially distanced here. Gene Bruskin, also a longtime uh, 
uh, organizer, retired for a little while now, but of course, uh, you know, like all organizers, of course, he's been very busy. Uh, and he'll tell you about his uh, latest project in just a second. And I see also with us uh, from, from our, our neighbor to the north, uh, Canada, uh, Danny Schurz. Good to see you, Danny. Thanks, Chris. I was uh, I was just mentioning we were talking about uh, general strikes, and I was uh, uh, you know saying that we don't know how to do general strikes in this country, but uh, uh, you've got a movie about one that happened in 1990. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be getting some tips from from you, and we're, we're going to show uh, your trailer uh, shortly. So uh, hang yeah. in there. Um, so let me, Gene, let me just have you talk about uh, LADD, uh, which stands for Labor Action to Defend Democracy. Um, and what, what is that? And uh, I know there's a bunch of stuff planned, uh, not only here in DC, but around the country. Thanks, Chris. And uh, I've been enjoying the show tonight. And uh, it's uh, great to see the sort of creativity of this network uh, just sort of making something happen uh even though uh the fox networks and etc of the world don't necessarily welcome you um especially with the labor perspective um so what the uh, what the labor act action to defend democracy is a network of people that have come together more or less over the last month actually dinero carlos sheree uh, most of the people you had on tonight, Jolene, are from organizations that have jumped into this network. And it was sort of set up informally, but it has grown really fast. Uh, and uh, it includes uh, central labor councils, state federations, there are national unions in the network, there are some worker, uh, worker organizations that uh, are uh, worker groups like the Southwest Southern. Uh, alliance that is sort of rank and file workers. And the whole purpose of it is to sort of promote a discussion about how to involve unions in whatever is going to come starting November 4th, which uh, we're all sort of assuming it's going to be something. And hope, we hope to be wrong. But uh, as, we, as I saw, and some of us saw this whole national organizing through Protector Results and all these other networks, I'm thinking, well, what about labor? Are we going to be in it? I know some of our members are, but like we, we play a really particular role in these kind of mobilizations. I, some I need to jump in. Let me jump because your sound is really breaking up, and I need to. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I need to have you chat with Evan um, uh, a little bit in the chat so we can get your uh, your sound there because it's it's really tough uh, on that. Uh, in the meantime. Let me go back to uh, Carlos in Chicago while they work on that um, and, and talk about, I'm, I'm just curious, how did you find out about, about this and, and you know, what, what's your thought about the different folks that are involved uh, with that effort? So I, I think uh, one of the people that, a couple of people told me about it at the same time, uh, practically the same day. Um, uh, but it was really through the the um, the Red Fred movement, right? Uh -huh. And the Chicago Teachers Union, who I've worked with a lot uh, through a couple of strikes here uh, in Chicago, and they were uh, quick to jump into this network and to start organizing all of the allied, um, you know, uh, 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 education unions throughout the country into the network. So there's quite a few 
of those red for ed unions um, involved in that network, you know, and okay. they asked me to. So I think, how's this? I think I, I made a sound change. Any better? A uh, little bit. I think also you may just not be close enough to your microphone. It would be my guess. Uh, let me uh, come back to you in just a second. Uh, Danny Schur is, uh, he's a producer. He did the music. He's, a, he's another one of us uh, with, with many, many hats. I had the pleasure of meeting Danny, was it two years ago now, I think, right, Danny, when, when you did a pre-screening at the IBW here in DC, um, if I'm not mistaken. Or very, very early in 2019, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but he's got uh, a, a movie that's gonna be shown uh, on December 1st and, uh, and a bunch of different locations. And, uh, and actually, Evan, were you able to locate the trailer? Do you have that? Let, let's go ahead and, and, uh, and, and, and cue up that trailer, uh, which I think will make Danny's job a little bit easier. <laughs> Uh, let's roll that and then we'll, we'll come back. It isn't illegal to speak one's mind in this country. Then make it illegal. If you go, Stefan Sokolowski, I'll go with you. Anywhere they send you, I'll find you, Rebecca Almozov. Stay away from that. There is a meeting tomorrow. You should come. You got this color skin, and they don't let you in no more. We all came to this new land on a promise. But the future has arrived, and the promise has not. The brother was very inspiring. Yes, he likes to talk about rights. Just none for the women he knows. Maybe there's someone who's brave enough to Forget about that Jewish girl in this track. She does not want to see you. Kowalski, welcome to the revolution. Get the damn thing stopped and clear those troublemaking foreigners right out of the country. They will crush you. I will never forget about her or the strike. The more we do nothing, the more nothing changes. So that is uh, stand, and uh, yeah, it's it's really wonderful. So, uh, Danny, we were, we're talking. We, you and I were emailing earlier today, and you know when we we've been in touch. I mean, in fact, we were in touch uh, back in April when we were looking at including this in the DC Labor uh, Film Fest, uh, of course, and that had to go online. Um, but even even then, you know, would you have thought that there would be, you know, uh, any talk of something like a general strike you know, in, in uh, November of 2020? Not in a million years. I <laughs> uh, you know, when I wrote the stage musical that the movie's based on, I was writing it in like 2003, 2004. I just thought, is anyone going to care about this? Like, who right. cares about the stuff that the movie talks about? It just it seemed like I was dealing with old news, you know, and by accident of history, every day that goes by, I just go, Oh my, <laughs> you know, and you mentioned, uh, you guys don't do general strikes. Well, the year was 1919 when the Winnipeg general strike, that's where I am, Winnipeg, Canada happened. And it is like absolutely legendary and mythical in these parts. 
but it was inspired in great part by Seattle. In fact, it was a direct connection. And the leaders here sought to not have happened what happened in Seattle, which was a quick shutdown and uh, basically the authorities won. And uh, in Winnipeg, there's always been a sense that although the Winnipeg general strike was a temporary loss, it was a moral victory. So it joins those general strikes that sort of live on in infamy as something that was uh, deeply moral. So when you ask, would I have expected it? Uh, No, but there seems to be the same stuff in the air that this is way bigger um, than one city's issue. Well, I want to ask because I want to I want to bring Jean and Carlos uh, and of course Nero back into this. But what were the things that were in the air? And as you say, I mean, actually, there was the Seattle uh, general strike in 1990. There have been general strikes in this country, although mm-hmm. not obviously for a while. What was it that was in the air uh, in Winnipeg in 1919 that you are sort of sensing perhaps now? And then we'll bring uh, Jean and Carlos and Nero back in. What are some of those things that you're seeing now? Well, it really was, it was a, it was a boiling cauldron. It was so many issues, labor oriented, sociopolitical, historical, uh, colliding in a perfect storm. Uh, All across North America in 1919, post-war inflation was the really big cause. When people say, how did it happen? What, what was going on? Well, people were really, really starving because there was an average of 80% inflation. Can you imagine? Um, stuff was doubling overnight. The returned veterans were a major wild card in Canada, general strike in particular. But what happened in 1919 in a lot of American city with the riots was due to the return of the First World War veterans uh, coming to loggerheads with those that they perceived had their jobs. And, you know, in a large case, that was people in the black community. So there was that whole thing. So it's a confluence of matters of history, race, class, gender. It's today. It really is. It really is. Now, let me let me go to Gene. Hopefully, we fix the uh, sound problems. But let me ask you first. To put you on the spot here. Had you ever heard of the nineteen nineteen uh, Winnipeg general strike? Because I had not. Yeah, you you need to unmute yourself now. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I, I heard about it, but uh, not in any real detail. I mean, I know about uh, there was a lot going on in our country, nineteen nineteen including incredible strikes, but uh, knew about Winnipeg, but you know, we don't, uh, we don't learn Canadian history in our country. That's a, uh, that's a big, uh, a big minus for us. You know, we, we barely but, learn American labor history. Right. right. Well, I think I what's interesting, what Danny is saying is that uh, the conditions then and conditions now, I feel like we have a unique set of conditions right now where we we're walking into the, Trump election in terrible shape with massive inequality and and so on and the Black Lives Matter movement and under Trump and then the COVID crisis and the economic crisis 
one thing on top of another on top of another. Uh, I feel like the conditions here are different than uh, we faced in my lifetime. And uh, I feel like the response of the labor movement just to this project that we started uh, almost informally, Labor Action and Democracy, where we've got unions all over the country jumping in, and national unions organizing to mobilize their members if they try to steal democracy, because uh, there's so much at stake here that's never been at stake at this level uh, in my uh, memory and from what I know about history. Mm-hmm. So while I don't think we're about to walk into a general strike, the fact that labor councils like Rochester uh, are calling for that and that the Vermont State Fed is going to take a strike vote and that Chicago and L.A., huge cities are talking about that if we have to, we're going to walk out and shut it down before we'll give it up. That's, that's very different than, uh, than what we see. And with the immigrant movements and the Black Lives Matter movements and so on, uh, I think there's something really powerful happening. And my view is uh, we need to have a broad vision of what we want and what we deserve right now. It goes way beyond just getting Biden elected, which I'm, I'm working for. Uh, and, uh, and this is a moment for us not only to defend democracy, but to put our vision out there because we got a lot of needs. Thanks, Jane. Uh, I want to go to Carlos and Yanira, but actually, I think uh, David has a, has a, a question. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a question, and I'm, it'll be difficult. I don't know exactly how to frame it because I've heard a lot of people talking about general strikes, and uh, me being a dual card uh, machinist, but also a wobbly, and studying the history of the IWW in the in the U.S. and mm-hmm. The, and the and the radicals that come along with the IWW and it and and I get it I, I I'm it, it's it sparks a fire in my belly that you don't see a whole lot of but do we really have at that time I guess the question would be at that time we've seen a lot more radicalization uh, a broad support for socialism a broad support for communism uh that we really don't see except for the younger generation today uh the older generation has kind of capitulated even with biden uh we gave up a good what my opinion is a good uh possible candidate for president and in uh, senator sanders to capitulate to the middle ground and that kind of speaks to me as to where we're at as, a, as Americans and probably as North Americans as well, because I think Trudeau, the little bit of study that I've done in Canada, Trudeau was also kind of a, a middle middle brown guy as well. Do, do we really see that broad support for that type of, uh, of uh, movement? Good question, Dave. David's with the uh, Valley Labor Report. Uh, let's, let's take an answer from Danny. I'd like to get Carlos uh, and Yanira, if you want to weigh in as well. So Danny, why don't you take it away? So I will answer kind of obtusely. First, I'll try and answer directly. I don't think we see today the kind of radicalization of 1919. Just mm-hmm. leave it at that for now, because I want to get to the other part of the answer, which is kind of obtuse, but more to the point. Remember, there's different kinds of uh, general strikes. 
So um, I read a lot about this because I wrote a musical about one. <laughs> so there's just a city. That's the smallest level. Next level is an industry. Next level is national. And the fourth level is, I don't know the term, but an extreme revolution. What we're talking about, although not as radical as Seattle and Winnipeg, where, yeah, there was quite radical uh, leftist movements in 1919. We are talking a greater escalation. If we are talking about a country uh, not going to work to affect political change, it's, it's radical in a different way, I guess. That's a really, that's, and I know you're, you're, you're doing a great job because I know you know so much more that you could talk about and, and uh, I can't, people really, uh, we should get a link. Uh, in fact, um, you know, Danny, why don't you go ahead and share the link uh, for the Stan movie in the chat so we can get that posted into Facebook. Uh, Carlos, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. You're, you're right across the, uh, the river from, or the lake from, uh, from Canada. You're close. Well, I, I, I certainly think that there's a thirst out there for, for change. It's just about how do we tap into it, lead it, um, uh, foster it, things like that, right? And I think something that Jean just said uh, is sticking with me, that we have to have a really broad imagination of what we're asking for, right? Because if, if, uh, if we see people in movement um, and all we ask for is card check again, <laughs> uh, then, then, then we're failing our, our mission. Um, and, and so I think that, that I'm not sure how far we can go right now, but we've got to push to see how far we can take it. And, and I think that'll take us further than, than we've been, right? So, so um, and that's tough, but there's leadership out there, right? That's, that's what we're working with. Some folks, uh, uh, traditional unions, uh, non-traditional unions, uh, uh, new unions, um, uh, uh, that are, are breaking ground. And we have to be attentive to that, follow that, support that. Inira, do you have thoughts on this? Um, well, I'm from El Salvador. Um, I think I was, um, in 1972 was the last time that we ran a candidate. My parents were very involved. My parents were labor union leaders. And I could see, and I could see a lot of, uh, equal situations that I see right now in the country. Um, I think that I'm gonna go with Carlos. I think it's a great opportunity to bring change. Um, I, I think people are thirst for that change. I think the younger generations of workers in this country are looking for, uh, for leadership that actually can guide them and understand and build a labor movement that is different, that, that it builds not just for bread and butter issues, uh, but issues that are broader than that, that are affecting them. Uh, and so we see that in younger teachers now, uh, because it's, it's not enough for you to go to the dream is that you go and get an education and all that, but even after that, you cannot. So that tells you something. The five for 15 is another one. And, and then the, um, race issue that is happening in this country, there is a reality that for, for many years, the labor movement, we have not addressed in a proper way. And so I think all of these conditions bring us to, to that need of change and we need to come out with a response. So I think that the movement like the, the one that Jim uh, was mentioning, they got together and thank you for that, is it, giving that space. It's a, it's a big challenge because the establishment is not, it's not easy to convince or to, to accept change. 
but I happen to believe that the change doesn't come from, from leadership and actually comes from the bottom up. You no, know? and I see that coming up and, and, and we're going to have to be creative. We're going to have to be uh, adapt ourselves to different things and they're going to be disruption. <laughs> uh, but that needs to happen. And I think we just have to be ready for that, embrace it and move on with it. Thanks, Janira. Uh, Evan, then Patrick, and then Gene. Go ahead, Evan. First of all, Danny, uh, beautiful trailer. I'm going to watch it, uh, you know, probably this weekend after the, some of the dusk settles um, from, from tomorrow night. But uh, I absolutely think we need more labor film, more labor art. I know Chris uh, has been hosting a labor film fest, and we need to celebrate labor. And that is, I think, the connective tissue that we, we are all pretty much workers here. And that is what is gonna help us with the mass traction on top of a lot of the identity politics that can often se um, separate us. One of, the, one of the great lessons in German history is the 1919 cat push where after World War I, the, several uh, generals tried to seize control of Berlin and the civil service um, just didn't show up. They, didn't, they stopped going to work. And so these guys were giving orders and there just wasn't enough people to actually like carry them out. So that's, that's one thing to consider is just not showing up and everyone just stay at home. The other part though is when we see protests over the, the coming days, uh, the agent provocateur aspect, I mean, the, the level of audacity of the Republicans to just steal things they, they're not running on policy anymore they're they're running on pure power play that they can do this and they believe that they can get away with it and so they're also going to be most likely see agent provocateurs no one's been following uh william barr for the last six months has been going around to police stations and called this operation legend and you can just google it uh william barr uh police stations and you can see that he's been to indianapolis detroit boston new york all around who knows what deals are being made on that level as well. So there's a lot of issues there uh, and it's all gonna go down tomorrow and it's gonna be sloppy and, and, and dirty and messy. And I think it's just staying together and, and keeping the, the, the core together and the demands together that we are, this is a revolutionary period. Uh, the, the, the economy is, is absolutely in tatters and People are going to continue to lose their homes and people are at wit's end. And that gives us an opportunity to actually push the leadership that um, has been siding with um, decorum more than actual, actual like leadership on the democratic side to, to do what is necessary to take power away from these people. So that's my comment, I guess, not really a question. I want to uh, uh, give Carlos one uh, he has to bounce, but I just have to follow real quickly on Evan. It's one of the reasons that this network exists is is exactly to Evan's point is that whatever we we know, whatever happens tomorrow, whatever happens the day after election day, one thing we absolutely need is forums like this and all these different shows, all these seventy very different shows because we need to be able to not only talk to each other but ways to get the word out there. Uh, so that's, that's just a, a, a reason for the network uh, existing. Carlos, uh, any last comments before you go? Uh, yeah, real quick. Well, uh, first of all, just 
great appreciation uh, for both uh, the guests that you've had on who are doing great work and the great work that all of you that are in this network are doing. Uh, it's important work um, and it's important to what's to come. So, so we keep, keep going. And I think that uh, my last comment, just building off of what we were just talking about and what Evan just said is I think we just got to um, push back if they, if they threaten us, if they threaten the election results, we got to push back harder. If they, if the election comes out well, as I hope it does, um, and they tell us, wait, your turn, push back harder, just keep pushing back harder. That's how we're going to keep moving. Um, so, so I'm ready for that push. I, I'm sure y'all are too. So I'll see you out there for that. Thank you so much, Carlos. Keep up the great work in Chicago, man. Hope to Good. see you next time I'm there on the other side of this thing. Excellent. All it's right. been a pleasure, everybody. All right. Patrick, you're up. I'd love to add to uh, what uh, Carlos said about uh, thinking creatively and what you knew has just commented on about driving change from the roots up. And, I, I, you know, in some ways, I, I agree with you, David, in the, the sort of lim some of the limitations of, of, of Joe Biden. But I think just putting the history hat on again for a moment, this country has never had a radical president. And yet there have been periods of really quite dramatic reform. And there's two in the last century. There's in the 1930s and in the 1960s. And Franklin Roosevelt wasn't particularly radical, but workers, unions, poor broken dirt farmers were able to set the agenda and he responded to what those people set as the agenda and respond to the needs of the day. Lyndon Johnson, who ran as an FDR Democrat when FDR was the president, ran as a Southern Conservative when he wanted to get into the Senate, remained a Southern Conservative up until he became president. But when these guys get into office, they don't want to get into office just to be there. Often they want to leave their mark on history. And in some ways, you know, Biden probably has that same vanity because you don't get in, you don't get that high in politics if you don't have, you know, some uh, wish to, to leave behind some sort of legacy. And so Biden might be from, you know, the home of the credit card companies, but I think if workers and if social movements and if activists can set the agenda, then uh, Biden wants to be remembered for something. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, Dean Bruskin. Yeah, so I think we, uh, we have to see this opportunity for what it is. Uh, this is a moment of possible change. Uh, and uh, I don't think we're really talking about a general strike in that, you know, we're going to wake up Wednesday morning and there's going to be a press conference and the country's going to shut down. I think we're talking about no business as usual. And that is in the event that the president tries to steal the election and we know the enormous consequences. Uh, so we're trying to be prepared for that. And there, this protective result, and there's other groups out there too, has 500 or more demonstrations already in place. Labor needs to be in every one of those demonstrations. For one thing, because uh, there's a big difference in a demonstration where it's say 5,000 young people, or when you have hundreds and hundreds of workers marching behind banners, right, uh, that uh, are for that cause. There's a certain, certain kind of power and strength and maturity to that, that like, uh, makes a huge contribution to these kind of fights and the kind of discipline uh, that the labor movement has. So I think the way it's going to roll out is that 
we need to make sure our people, our members are out in mobilizing uh, this first week while these things are in question. If they remain in question and he tries to just throw the thing to the Supreme Court and steal it completely, I think people's own experience is what's going to drive them into other kind of actions. And there's going to be examples in different places, whether it's Chicago or Rochester or whatever, where people are just going to walk out and that may spread. But uh, you certainly don't call it from the top and you don't plan it uh, instantaneously. Uh, but uh, we have not, you know, I've been like many of us, I've been trying to do this kind of stuff for, you know, almost 50 years because I was a child of the 60s. But when you look at the various movements that are out there now, the incredible fights around immigration, the incredible Black Lives Matter, the incredible stuff that's happened in the women's movement, and then the incredibly bad conditions, and you're putting everybody together out in the street. Uh, we have some, we have enormous needs that we're fighting for in this next uh, move. And even if we end up out in the street and it works out, we have maybe hopefully established a precedent about what we're going to be, how we're going to behave in, under Joe Biden's administration uh, so that we're going to raise the standard uh, of what is acceptable. Well, one of the reasons that, that I wanted to have Danny on, uh, besides the fact that I just want everybody to know about this great movie that's coming up, is because, you know, I think one of the things that, and, and, and I'm glad that Patrick's here, you know, who, who does the Labor History Today podcast, you know, with me, one of the reasons that we do this podcast is because, you know, you cannot hope to understand the future or the present if you don't know what has happened in the past. So people often make this mistake. They think, well, you know, this happened in the past, so therefore, you know, it's like A, B, C. It doesn't work that way. And and Danny, I think one of the great things about your your movie is that it really shows a lot of the different kind of things that folks have been talking about, you know, at play a hundred years ago. A lot of the similar kinds of issues. And the folks there were, were just like us. They were making up as, you know, we look back at it and it all looks kind of logical now, but it was not at the time, right? Totally. In fact, one of the most spoken and written about legacies of the Winnipeg general strike is that there is a difference in vision. Mm -hmm. uh, and echoing some of the words I've heard just now about uh, what are we really trying to do? <laughs> What's the goal? Can we all just get in the canoe and paddle the same way? So there's books written about how leadership divided, in particular about the Winnipeg general strike. Um, and as Gene says, it, it's messy. Um, it, you know, it, it's such a often repeated phrase, but I use it a lot because it, makes sense. Times change, people don't. <laughs> Good point. <clears throat> it's, um, other other uh, thoughts or comments? And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, yeah, Gene, I was just thinking, I haven't heard from Gene in a while down there in, in uh, Dallas, Texas, with the workers be. What's, what's your thought? Uh, all this talk about uh, what we're going to do after the election. Okay is uh, Serene spoke earlier before uh, some of you got here and she used the phrase several times, no matter who gets elected. 
Yes, you do. We, we have to do this or that, no matter who gets elected. And we've heard many times tonight people saying, no matter how the election comes out. But everybody that's made a prediction has predicted a very tough time starting uh, immediately after, after Tuesday. But I, I suspect that there's, that there's a lot more going on in people's minds than, uh, than how the election turns out. And even the, even the broader question of saving democracy from an attempt to steal an election. So I wanna frame my question like this and ask Gene Ruskin, what will you do and what will be your slogans at your demonstration if we have a blowout? I'm in Texas, there's a, there's, a, there's a chance that Biden will take Texas. In fact, he's a little ahead. He's a little ahead, a point or two. And uh, if, if, if they take Texas, uh, even Trump has said that if they take Texas, they'll never elect another Republican, ever. So what if they did take Texas? So what would be your slogans then uh, if, if we had a blowout victory over Trump and there wasn't an attempt to steal the election at all. So you still got a demonstration on Saturday. Gene, what are you going to say? Oh, that, that, that's a, you know, that's a great question, Gene, because uh, we created a big tent for this first concept of resistance, which is the defense of democracy. Uh, which is something that everybody can get behind. And that's, uh, I think that's the sort of the united front. But uh, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, we need to sort of create a slogan that's basically saying, uh, you know, something like our time is now. And the R is all those people that are out in the street, the whole massive uh, diversity of our country that, uh, is not the uh, Make America Great Again crowd. Uh, it, and, but uh, I think that notion is our, uh, that this, this is our moment. And, and we, uh, you know, basically our time is now. And behind that are the sort of the set of a whole range of demands that people have been fighting for around police reform, around immigrant rights, around workers' rights. There's, uh, you know, a long laundry list that we can all create. So there's not a single uh, slogan, but uh, it's just sort of this, to find a point of unity that we can all sort of rally behind. And all our demands are interrelated. You know, the immigrant rights demands the, who's in the workforce, you know? And uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, look who's in the public sector, you know? Uh, so I think that uh, if we're out there and we're sort of, uh, looking at each other and we're sort of bringing each other together, I think we have the possibility of beginning to construct that vision. It won't happen right away, but uh, I think it's emerging right now. And it, it's really redefining who us is. They have defined us as, uh, as essentially, you know, this version of a white nation, which it never was. But the real us is much more exciting and beautiful and we have to sort of define who that us is. 
Thanks, Gina. Appreciate that. And thanks also for uh, helping to line up uh, some of our guests today. Really appreciate sure. that. So I'm sorry I got to jump off, everybody, okay. but this is a great network, and I hope you have uh, 200 of these things coming uh, forward. And uh, we'll stay tuned. And uh, nice to hear from you, Nera. <laughs> I'm working on it. All right, we're going to show a, a quick video, and then when I come back, I just want to go around, get some last comments from everybody, and then we're going to call it a night. So uh, stick around. And uh, Evan, do you want to set this up, or are you just going to roll it? I'll set it up. Uh, this video was shared earlier. Uh, it's, called, it's from Choose Democracy, Four Keys to Success to Deve Defeating a Coup. And it talks about... Uh, widespread mobilization, nonviolent discipline, alliance building, and refusal to recognize illegitimate authority. It's two and a half minutes. All right, let's roll it. Four keys to defeat a coup. Political scientist Stephen Zunas studied historical cases where people won against an attempted coup. His research shows there are four keys to success. Number one, widespread mobilization. In Russia, in 1991, Gorbachev was captured by some of his opponents who wanted to take over the country. All over the country, masses of people took to the streets in widespread resistance. The leaders of the coup did not do much to win popular support for their power grab. Number two, nonviolent discipline. The coup plotters surrounded the parliament building in Moscow with tanks and soldiers. Large crowds gathered to urge the soldiers to desert. Some protesters were injured and killed, but the rest continued their nonviolent resistance. At first, individual soldiers deserted, and then whole military units. The coup plotters gave up. Number three, alliance building. In 1920, Germans were more polarized than Americans are today, but alliance building helped them defeat a coup led by the right-wing Wolfgang Kapp the left united to support the centrist governing party. Number four, refusal to recognize illegitimate authority. The German centrists refused to negotiate with Cap. Workers declared a general strike. When he went to the Capitol building to begin his rule, no one was there, not even someone to type the manifesto saying he was now in charge. The coup was defeated within days. We can learn valuable lessons from history. In the United States, we have a president who has openly said he might not respect the outcome of our election. We have to be ready to resist if he claims victory before votes are counted, tries to stop counting ballots, or refuses to accept a loss. Nonviolent mass protests and strikes have stopped coups in other places, and we may have to do the same here. All right, well, uh, well chosen, Evan, thank you. Um, all right, so we're just gonna do, uh, I wanna do a round of last comments and thoughts. Also, for those of you watching, I want you to be part of this also. Uh, Evan, if you can monitor the chat in the Facebook feed and relay that so I don't have to toggle back and forth and uh, make sense. So if you have uh, questions or comments, uh, folks who are watching, uh, just put those in the chat and Evan will relay them. So. Uh, let me, uh, Yanira, let me start with, with you. Um, just, you, 
you don't have to respond to that. You can just make some general comments. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're going into election day tomorrow. This has been a long time coming, um, at least four years <laughs> in the making. Um, I'm, I'm just curious about your thoughts uh, going into election day tomorrow. Well, first, thank you. And I'm amazed with this discovering you guys. Okay, so I'm, I'm falling in love with all of this. So I wish I had the time to be with you all the time. I want to follow a little bit of what about Jean Lenz, I think, at asking. I think, hey, look, this pandemic, if we see in the right side of this one, have brought down many established establishments. You know, so we have to rebuild. And for many people in, in uh, communities of color, we say we're rebuilding to go back to the same norms. That cannot happen. So if we have tomorrow, there is a, a, a Biden ended up winning. I think it is our ask. It is we cannot rebuild from this pandemic to go back to the same. We cannot go back, but we were not talking about racism. We cannot come back to all of that. So I think we have we have a lot to demand that we can bring us together. Uh, it, that we can build those alliances this last video was talking to come together. I think we have understanding and we knew, I think intellectually, that they have kept, kept us apart. Mm -hmm. uh, this pandemic has shown that the only way that we can survive and moving forward is by building something that brings us together, that it will benefit everybody. So it is about moving forward, but not to go back to what it was, but to something new that is representative of who we are really at, at the end of the day. And I think that, that, that whether we lose, it's, it's defending democracy, but if we win, it is to the new uh, possible Biden-Harris, it is this is what we want and we have a lot to organize around that. So I'm hopeful with that. Thank you, Yanira. Yanira, of course, as heads up the Labor Council for Latin American Advancement or LECLA, right? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Danny, I'm going to go to you next. Um, you know, just uh, again, I really appreciate getting, uh, I always like talking to folks who are in other countries uh, because we really, especially being here inside the Beltway, we have a very skewed perspective. I'll be the first to admit it. So uh, I, I think you have a really interesting view all the way from, from Winnipeg. Um, your, your thoughts uh, as, as, as we go into our election day here? Well, far be it from me as a Canadian to comment too much other than... Uh, you see, there you all go with your real polite Canadian. No, I was going to say, <laughs> but what is, uh, is applicable here is what Trudeau said of the Canadian-U.S. relationship where uh, the mouse has to be careful when the elephant rolls over. So... Um, We hope for a good result, of course, uh, and we hope that uh, democracy is going to be maintained. But as I'm sorry, I just uh, I'm forgetting her name. She just spoke. I think that. Uh, oh, Yanira. Yeah, the what she alludes to, which is. It's a whole new world. Uh, and the past uh, norms are really being brushed aside mm -hmm. in a revolutionary way. So I find that incredibly inspiring. Um, as an artist, you know, you say, you want to change the world, but look at 
us here today and what's going on, we really do have an opportunity to make things different. And that's why I was inspired by this story that became this stage musical that became this movie. I had discovered all the strength that was around me in my community. So my God, it's inspiring just listening to you because the strength is there. So um, I, I'm just impressed and uh, honored to be a part of the discussion. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. And uh, let's get you back tomorrow. We're going to be on longer and uh, you have a wonderful brand new music video. So if you all like what you saw earlier, uh, you're really going to, uh, and Danny knows what I'm talking about. So we'll, we'll just sort of keep that under wraps for now, but we'll bring ben, Danny back tomorrow. Uh, and also there's a personal story that we didn't get a chance for you to share. So we'll, we'll do that as well. Um, uh, well, Patrick is, is uh, he lives in Virginia, but of course, uh, from, <laughs> from one of the countries that uh, one of our other po podcasts comes from, it's one of our other continents uh, from the UK. But Patrick, I'd love to get uh, some closing thoughts or comments from you. Oh, should I be polite too? I mean, you've told me we were on Facebook all night, and so we. No, just... no, I want you to just be your your rude uh, your rude <laughs> British self. <laughs> oh, it's, it's really been a treat to be on with uh, our guests this evening. We've had so many terrific guests. If you count, if you were someone who walked in on our live stream late, then I'd recommend rewatching or joining us tomorrow. And I really do appreciate everyone we've got to meet this evening. Many for the first time. That's been really fun it's been a great evening um and the broader scope of things uh, it's extraordinary this idea that this i don't know this sort of five years of psychological assault where you wake up thinking about this wretched person every day <laughs> could actually be over and yet we're not quite there yet. And so we've had this sort of twin pincers of, you know, living here in the company town and having the m maniac running it for <laughs> what seems like a lifetime, combined with the trauma of COVID. I, I, and it, so here, here's the deal, so, so Patrick co-produces Patrick co-produces Labor History Today with me, but what I really want to do, because I, I, I subscribe to BritBox, and I've been watching these British quiz shows, and QI is my new favorite, and I want to do a, an American version of that, except I don't know how we're going to be as, as, as uh, you know, <laughs> brutal as they are, so we got to work on that, right? Okay. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. Uh, Jeremy. Yes, sir. Final uh, closing arguments here. Yes, sir. Where, where we're at. Uh, I'm going to be uh, as as blunt as I can be. It's been a super long day for me, and so I'm going to shut this down when we're done here. I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to have me a drink, and I'm going to pass out. And I'm going to get up tomorrow for tomorrow's crescendo. I hope. Um, I hope we get some chances of us getting some sort of closure tomorrow are, are minuscule, but there's, there's a possibility. Um, just some of the things that I heard earlier tonight, I was doing some phone banking and some text banking before I got on this. And uh, when we did the phone banking, uh, Connor Lamb 
the congressperson out of Pennsylvania was was part of the group he addressed everybody and he had the uh, quote of the night for me somebody in the comments or in the chat made a Wu-Tang reference and Connor saw it in the middle of addressing everyone and he said hey you guys want to go there listen the labor movement ain't nothing to f with and <laughs> I was like yeah you're all right and he got everybody fired up and uh so it's just cool it's really cool uh, like kind of to touch on what I what I mentioned earlier, how the the game is changing for everybody. So it's changing at the top with some of the stuff that they're doing, and and uh, like um, uh, might have been I don't, I don't remember who who said how they're like they're just doing. And maybe it was Evan said how they're they're kind of just just being blatantly. Uh, it's a blatant power grab at the top, which is new. I mean, it's kind of it's it's like it's right in your face now, um, but at the same time. There's more energy at the ground level, I think, you know, with stuff like what we're doing and other organizations are, are creating and, and doing. And uh, Black Lives Matter movement has really gained a lot of traction over uh, since, since its uh, start uh, to now that they've really, um, they're, they're being noticed now, you know, um, long overdue, but they're, they're starting to make waves and they're starting to get attention. So things are changing on all levels and, and uh, we just got to stay on it. We just got to keep doing what we can do, play our part and make, make some changes, man. Jeremy, I was thinking, you know, Emma Goldman would have, would have, uh, I think she would have paraphrased, you know, your, <laughs> if I can't have a drink, I don't want to be part of your revolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Right. I don't think Emma would mind that paraphrase. All right, brother. Story. What you got for us? Uh, yeah. I just say thanks to all the uh, the guests. I think we y'all put together a wonderful, wonderful show. Like Jeremy said, or I think maybe it was Patrick said, if you came in on the end of this, you should really go back and watch it. I've enjoyed it, and it's rare for me to sit into something that I really enjoy. Normally, I'm bored out of my mind, and this kept my interest. The entire time. Uh, but to close, I think Gene Lance had the the most iconic question or statement of yeah. the night when he said, when we win tomorrow, what's going to be your slogan? Yeah. And I think that's important for all of us to remember and for all of us to carry forward because we're going to win. There's no doubt about that. But tomorrow we won't win. Even if Biden wins, that's not a win. Mm-hmm. You know, a win for, for me is going to be when they quit executing minorities in the street or in Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they quit uh, sending militarized vehicles from the federal government to our police departments. Mm-hmm. Um when they quit bailing out financial institutions and banks while labor is struggling to make ends meet, when we don't have eight years of a deporter in chief and a vice president that supported him the whole way. These things is what it's going to take to win. And we're going to have to demand that these things happen in this next presidency. We, we may not have been able to make headway with Trump, but I truly believe the labor movement is going to put Biden into office. And so at that point, 
we have to hold not only Biden accountable, but our labor leaders accountable that's gotten comfortable with him and wants appointments in his administration and demand that they listen to us on the ground. And, you know, I think um, I'll paraphrase, but it was, you know, it was uh, Abraham Lincoln that said labor is superior to capital. And we have to remember that no matter what, everybody else is making money of all, off of our backs. And we have to demand our fair share. So, you know, Brother Gene, I sincerely appreciate what you asked uh, uh, the other Brother Gene. And, it's, and, and, the, and my final statement is, it's a sincere pleasure to be on a show, an organized labor show where I've got me from Alabama, a brother from Texas, a brother from Kentucky, and I'm going to call Brother Patrick. He's from Virginia. He's, I mean, you're in Virginia. You're in the South. So, I mean, we're making up. And then, and then uh, my sister from El Salvador, I was in El Salvador. So she's from the South as well. We're, we're dominating the labor movement. Exactly. So it's nice to see the South being represented in the labor movement. All Thank right. y'all. Thank y'all. Wonderful. Thank you, David. Now, before I go to Alan, Alan gets two bites of the apple. He's back. But I think, Jeremy, I, I saw you wanted, to, you wanted to interject, I think. Yeah, just real quick and to touch on Gene's, uh, we're going to win tomorrow. Uh, so I've got a friend that brought to my attention earlier today. He gambles. And so he was checking the sports book on the election. Oh, okay. All right. So, so you might all be interested to hear the, uh, for the Electoral College tomorrow, the betting favorite is the that Joe Biden's going to win by a difference of between 150 to 209 electoral college votes. That's what they're saying he's going to win by. When they, but that, that, that much more. Yes. That's going to be, that's like 300 plus. Yeah. yeah. That's the, the betting favorite is that's going to be the difference in electoral college votes between the and two. You say landslide in Espanol. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the, the, what I, what, the, the money he's putting down is a, a 60 to 99, which I think is more realistic, but I mean, bookies tend to know something. So that's, that's all I'm saying just for whatever it's worth, whatever it's worth. Tell you what, I will take those numbers. I, I, I've been saying for about three years now that there was a good chance of, of a landslide, but you know, frankly, that was a lot of hopeful wishing. So, Hey, we were checking out the the interactive electoral college maps that you can you know you can pick for whatever for candidate sure. to show you just just trying to figure out how you get to that level you know right. like what he's going to have to win and and texas has got to be in there so i'm pulling for you gene all right gene it's on you baby all right al what you got for us wow <clears throat> i mean this i'll follow that right <laughs> this could not have gone better that is almost impossible to follow um that back and forth, uh, David, your contribution, Jeremy, yours as well. Um, what else is there left to say? Um, we'll see what happens tomorrow and from then moving forward. Um, I'm admittedly nervous, not necessarily because of the results, but because of the reactions of the folks that have been emboldened right. um, by, you know, Trump and those like him. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really I'm nervous about how they're going to attempt to steal an election. Mm-hmm. try to shift the results, how they're going to call it too early, um, and then basically try to leave it up to a now heavily um, conservative Supreme Court. So I'm nervous, but I also know that even even if Biden wins tomorrow, we still fight um, after that. So 
we'll see what happens. Um, this has been great. Looking forward to doing it again tomorrow. Looking forward to doing it again on Wednesday. It is always a real pleasure to share this space with y'all. So thank you, um, as always, and looking forward to tomorrow. Thanks, Alan. All right, uh, Brother Gene, a lot, a lot of hopes riding on you there. No pressure. We're we talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're talking about me. I, I want to say that I want to say that we've just done something historical. We're involved in a uh, in a great historical step forward. Labor's never covered an election. There's never been a, an attempt to get uh, working people's point of view out mm -hmm. front. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just hope that we uh, get bigger and better as we go along. Now, as to my question, it was a trick question. <laughs> I don't think that Texas is, gonna, is going to uh, go for Biden tomorrow. Not this time. I, only, I, only, I, I wanted to know if the people that are planning demonstrations on the 4th and on the 7th have their own agenda. I wanted to know if they were if they were more interested in what happens after than what happens uh, uh, tomorrow. And uh, I think I've smoked you all out. I think you I think you all are uh, more interested in what happens uh, Friday, uh, Wednesday, and Saturday. Uh, and I definitely think that the guy who answered my question was, in fact, he said so. Uh, that this was just the first step uh, toward something else that he's got in mind. I think everyone should be aware that the AFL-CIO leadership has no such ambitions. I've been to two of those meetings today, and some of you were probably at the same meetings, in which they talked about how we have to win this election, and uh, mobilization only came up when it was asked. Uh, General strike was definitely not being considered. In fact, it was considered uh, somewhat seditious to even talk about it. So, so that's just where we are. And uh, 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 I happen to agree that we are in a time, as your Yanira uh, uh, said, where we can't go back that wherever we're going is going to have to be forward. And frankly, I think it's been uh, a long, long time coming and way, way, way overdue. That's my concluding remark. Thank you, Brother Lance. All right, Evan, you're up. Well, as we move forward, Gene, I really appreciate being on this journey with you all, wherever it leads us. Uh, just so many good people I've met over this last year, and I look forward to continuing to build this movement going forward. And uh, I want to give a big up to Chris Garlock uh, for putting it together um, to assemble that many guest speakers in such a short amount of time. And now get some rest tonight because tomorrow is going to be more than twice as long than tonight. So this was a very good second run and uh, we may be broadcasting all week, <laughs> maybe all month. So thank thanks. You. Thanks, Evan. And just, and just to give uh, credit where it's due, I mean, uh, Evan has got massive, mad, mad technical skills. Um, this, what we're doing tonight was not my idea. The, the network, yeah, but this, this what we're doing tonight, 
this came up at a meeting not even a week ago, last Wednesday at our regular weekly meeting, and and I don't even remember who came up with it, uh, with this idea. Was it Gene, was it Gene or was it Patrick? Who, whose idea was it? I don't remember. But uh, you know, everybody came together making it happen. So kudos to this whole team, um, and also just this network. You know, uh, I, I it's very weird, but out of this awful pandemic, this network was maybe two dozen of us, and we didn't even meet. Um, and now we have over 70 and we've been meeting weekly uh, for months. And so, you know, to, to uh, Gene's point and to a lot of your point, whatever happens tomorrow, whatever happens this week, uh, this network and every one of your shows, right? And Yanera, you know, this is a platform that you all have now and you have lots of folks on the ground, for example. And, and let me just say, you know, one of the reasons we could put together a lineup like tonight is because there are so many amazing labor folks out there. Um, you know, you just need to know, you know, what their phone number is and what their email address is and, and, and they're willing to come on. And that's the whole point of this network is to get voices uh, that you're not necessarily going to see on CNN. You're certainly not going to see them on Fox News. Not, not today, maybe, but <laughs> soon, you know. So that, that's this whole idea is, is to, you know, get our voices out, the voices of ordinary working folks out there. Um, and so, and the last thing I just want to say is, uh, Danny, uh, because we labor in the same vineyard of uh, labor art, uh, you know, it's really so, so critical. You know, I love me a good rally. I love a good picket line. Count me on. But, you know, we got to have our, our roses, too, along with the bread. And so, you know, I can't, I can't even sing a song, much less write a song. And you did a whole musical and a movie, so more power to you. Uh, and as I said, well, uh, tomorrow, now this next song that we're going to go out on is not Danny's. We're going to do Danny's uh, song tomorrow when we bring him back. Um, this is a different one uh, that I think you're going to find very appropriate, but we're going to go ahead and wrap up. We'll be back. Uh, I think we start at five tomorrow. Is that right? Five is, oh, five o'clock. I'm going to have to eat dinner early. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll be back five o'clock uh, tomorrow. Those of you watching, please spread the word. Um, and everybody here on the team, thank you for uh, hanging with us all night. Uh, and we'll be logging back on uh, at 4.30 uh, to get ready uh, for going live at five. Evan, anything else that we need to know before we go out? No, get some sleep. Have your get drink, Jeremy. Get ready, get ready uh, for the, the coming days. So. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's go out with some music here. Thanks, everybody. We know the difference between a president and a king, the corruption, the obstruction. You try to get away with everything We know the difference Between the truth and the lies We're calling you out now Then beneath November skies We're gonna vote your asses out We're gonna make a world where all our voices 
between a leader and a fake You failed in this pandemic Now all our lives are at stake You held up the Bible Then you threatened to kill We'll remember in November Rihanna Taylor, George Floyd, Emmett Till We're gonna vote your asses out We're gonna make a world where all our voices count We'll keep fighting back in every way Then we'll Anymore. Coronavirus, what a bore. Bashless cops, tanks and streets. Bunker visits, tantrum tweets. All your cronies cross the land. Try to stop as best they can. Flashbang, tear gas, pepper spray. We'll take you down election day. Welcome to the Labor Radio Podcast Network's live 2020 election coverage, focusing on what organized labor is doing throughout the United States to ensure all votes are counted and labor's voice is heard. Reporting will be based on contributions from our national network of members. Views expressed do not represent official positions of the network. The Labor Radio Podcast Network has over 70 labor-focused shows in four countries and serves as a one-stop shop for audiences looking for labor content 
and as a resource for labor broadcasters, podcasters, and content producers. You can follow the conversation with the hashtag LaborRadioPod, where we are broadcasting working people's voices 24 hours a day. Thank you.